Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Thanks so much, Darlene. It is Catch and Shoot 2.0. I'm here with the one and only Otto Strong. On today's show, not only are we going to revisit a little bit of our conversation last week with Mark Spears, but we're also going to have ESPN's NBA front office insider Bobby Marks on to talk about the NBA's resumption of play, what that will look like, and ultimately some things that not only the NBA Players Association, but also the league have to get ironed out. But before we get to all that, Otto, how is it going? Hey man, we doing okay. Doing okay. It's been a uh, been quite a week uh, <laughs> across the board. How you how you doing? How you holding up? Well, I am dealing with daily showers that have just been pouring down outside my window. I have not been outside in quite some time, but you know, um, in the open, I talked about that Mark Spears conversation that we had last week. Which, if you have not heard it, and if you did not catch that episode, I thoroughly recommend you go back, you listen to it. Mark was so insightful, he was so thoughtful, and it was such a good conversation that honestly, I took a lot away from it. And, you know, it inspired me this past weekend to actually go down to downtown Orlando and join some of the protests, um, which was something I had never done in my entire life, full disclosure. But it was really fun, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I met a lot of new people, and I had a lot of good conversations with people that um, I took a lot away from. That's cool, man. That's good. Good dear. Um, for for my part, um, I spent the better part of part of the weekend uh, working on on stories ranging from the response from Roger Goodell or the responses from Roger Goodell, and then uh, player player responses. So it's been kind of a, a steady diet of of, of assignments. But uh, one of the things that uh, that came up earlier today is that uh, the Dallas Mavericks held a an event called Courageous Conversations, um, and this was put on by. Mark Cuban and uh, Dallas Mavericks CEO sent Marshall and a number of, of leaders in the uh, in the Dallas community. And the idea is to try to figure out, in a nutshell, how we stop having these conversations, how uh, the next generation um, will look upon uh, look upon us as the way we perhaps look upon the generation of the '60s, where you, where advancements are made and and we're able to kind of move the ball with respect to social justice. Um, so that that's uh, that's that's a story that we're going to be working on for you know later today, and we'll have online on the uh, StarTelegram.com. So, what are some of the things that Cubans pushing, and like what are some of those conversations that they're having right now? 
Well, I mean, it, it's 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 an attempt to be you know open and inclusive. Um, it's it's uh, recognizing um, you know biases that we all have, um, implicit biases, but then not obviously acting on those. Um, um, you know, there there's trying to distill the the two hour event down into into a couple minutes, but basically it's you know ha- having having smart, um, intelligent. Uh, folks, you know, look, looking at this problem and trying to come up with new solutions because obviously the things that have been done to this point, for the most part, haven't been working for large sections of the country. Yeah, I completely agree. And you know, my first thought process was, which was you, when you mentioned that, was a conversation we had with our executive producer and Bruce Bernstein. You know, where he talked about a conversation that he had on a roundtable with Monica McNutt as well as Mike Weiss and. You know, the conversations are never easy to have. They're a little bit unsettling, but at the end of the day, you feel like you take a lot away from them and you learn a lot of new things. And so that's amazing that they're doing that. Yeah. yeah. And, and to your point, uh, uh, my columnist, uh, Mac Engel, who, who covers all, all matter of sports in the, in the DFW area, um, he said, he said he thought it was great. Now, obviously the, the, the goal is to, like I said, not have that, not to have these types of conversations in the future. Um, but but he thought it was a, a solid event and a, and a good first step for for where we find ourselves right now as a society. We've talked about this a lot, just how much your staff has had to change over the last few weeks, the last few months with everything that's been going on in our world. What are some of the angles that you guys are following right now, specifically around this conversation? Well, I, I feel that it's been important to have a sports presence um, on the sports front every day. For those who know the paper, um, a quick, quick, real quick, <laughs> newspaper one hundred and one. There, there's because tabloids. it's probably t- it yeah. is probably tough to balance that conversation with sports, but also the larger news cycle that's at hand. Exactly, exactly. You know, so we're we're a we're a broadsheet newspaper, a New York Times style newspaper, and then you have your tabloid newspapers like your Daily News or your New York Post. So it's we usually get about three or four stories on the on the front sports on the sports front, and uh, it's my mission to make sure that one of those stories every day is on this topic in some way, shape, or form. Now that could be um, uh, players who may have gone to a rally and they're sharing what they've learned. That could be, or that was. Uh, the NFL players from a week ago, uh, last Thursday to be exact, um, uh, 15 star players um, produced a video. Uh, it could be a, a team response, uh, but but something that keeps the issue in the in the forefront. And while this is obviously not a sports story, we all know that sports figures are just you know icons and lightning rods for for these conversations. So we feel it's important to make sure that we kind of keep the heat on, as it were. Um, you know, we're not pitching any kind of specific agenda. We just want there to be a conversation and to whatever extent we can foster that by having content out there. Um, that's what we intend to do. Absolutely. And you look at so many athletes, you know, we had this conversation a few weeks ago. It was something as simple as when we were talking about those Michael Jordan documentaries and the fact that Michael Jordan elected not to get in any kind of a political conversation is so much different than what we're seeing the precedent that athletes today are setting, because you look at you know, LeBron James, and I use him for a lot of examples because I'm always envious of the conversations that he's willing to have and the stances that he's willing to take or, you know, the video that a lot of the NFL players put out. They have a platform and they can emphasize change because so many people look up to them and so many young kids admire them that if they see their favorite athlete or if they see their favorite coach championing for this, then it's a huge, huge deal. And so it's very, very important. 
Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, social media is a game changer. Um, you know, it's, it's changed everything. We're not having this conversation if there's no social media, if there's no iPhone, if there's no technology, if you don't have the ability to essentially self-publish, you know, anything, anytime, anywhere, um, these things are not getting out. Uh, we talked last week about Rodney King. That that was just, I mean, how many people had, uh, you know, a camcorder or whatever the recording device, device that was used 30 years ago? Nobody just, did. Right. Nobody just did. So, and just so happened to be that this guy had a device and was trained out that window at that specific moment in time. And, you know, you get what you get. You know, there was no body cam back then, none of that kind of stuff. So so social media, both the, the both, you know, capturing the acts that have occurred as well as the player reaction and the players being able to go out there and not just players, but actors and, and, and other prominent folks is, you know, it's it's created all of this to to occur and you know, hopefully we'll be better for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to another point. It's not easy for athletes to decide that they want to have this conversation, right? Because they have a lot of different things at play. You know, I think that was part of the internal struggle that Michael Jordan had in the 90s, where if he wanted to enter that arena, how it would affect so many other parts of the Michael Jordan brand. Players almost now today don't see that as an obstacle. And in fact, I think, you know, and, and this might just be the way that I perceive this, that they're more empowered than ever and they're more um, excited than ever to put their opinions out there and to make their stances known. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, to, not to make certain people feel old, but you know, uh, what about, I'd estimate about a third of the league, maybe half the league wasn't even alive when Ronnie King happened. So, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's an, it's which, an evolution. Which isn't that amazing to say? <laughs> like <laughs> exactly. when you think about it. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's always good to catch up with you on these topics. And just a reminder, if you did not catch last week's episode with Mark Spears, I highly recommend you go back, you listen to it, and you really digest everything that Mark had to say, because it was very enlightening on so many different angles. And so it's a worthy listen, and I hope you guys enjoy it. But now it's time to welcome in Bobby Marks, ESPN's front office insider. And we are now joined by Bobby Marks, ESPN Front Office Insider for the NBA. And um, Bobby, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. How are you? Doing well. So we think we have a season. <laughs> Wait, what can you I tell think us? we do. You know? I think there's. I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. I think <laughs> if you would ask me this in um, April, I wasn't. I probably wasn't sure, so sure. Even probably in May, but. Yeah, I mean, we've got some type of um, an agreement between the Player Association and the NBA to return to play uh, at the end of uh, at the end of July, and we'll take 22 teams to Orlando and play eight what they call eight seeding games. Um, for some teams, it's more of just a tune-up to get ready for the playoffs. For others, it's for to try to hold on to that eighth playoff spot, and um, and we could potentially see a play-in game also for the uh, for the Eastern Conference and Western Conference eighth seed here. So, it should be uh, if if you like NBA basketball, we're going to get our fill of it <laughs> for the next I guess three months here. Um, we're going to get uh, probably four or five games per day um, until we probably get into the uh, second round of the playoffs. Bobby, and wow. that's the exciting thing is you know we got 22 teams that are going to come to this bubble city here in Orlando. What about for the other eight teams that essentially start their um, off season, you know, right when that board of governors call concluded on Thursday, what's next for them? Are they just looking towards the draft? If we still have a draft in October? Yeah. As I call them, I guess the not so great eight, right. I mean, the teams that have kind of been left out because, Hey, you had to kind of 
draw a line in the, in the sand and I, you couldn't have brought um, 30 teams to Orlando. I actually even think probably 22 is, is, is too much, but um, they'll be, you know, at the end of June, there's a, there's going to be a transaction window where it's basically kind of an extension of the last week of the season. Uh, they'll partake in that where if they want to, if they have a roster spot available, if they have a two-way player, they want to convert, if they want to waive a player, if you're in Minnesota and you're trying to get under the luxury tax, you can try to do that. But after that, everything is really kind of up in the air. Um, you know, there is a, a consensus among those eight teams because remember, their last game was in mid-March. If we're not starting the season until early December, that's close to nine months of not playing. And I don't, I don't know if, if there will be a fall league. So they're trying to put together something where if it's some type of voluntary mini camp, if it is some type of fall league where we're doing a pod system where, um, you know, maybe it's four teams that are going to be able to uh, participate in it, in a training uh, at, the, at the training facility, or even if they're, you know, training camp right now is supposed to start um, November 10th, uh, even if maybe they can get a little bit of a jump start to that. So, Hopefully something gets worked out, but yeah, I mean, the focus really is on those 22 teams, less uh, about those eight teams. Yeah, real quick, uh, before we finish up on this, with the conversations that you had, that you've had with front office people from those eight eight teams, were they fine with being left out of this? I I think they want, I think they understood the circumstances here. Um, I think they would have preferred to be part of the 30, even though they had really nothing to play for. I think a lot of it was about developing their young players, but, you know, as I said, there had to have been a line, you know, a line drawn in the sand here because, you know, there's so much unknown about what's going to happen um, in the next months here about getting to Orlando. I think it's one thing to have a plan in place, but from a testing standpoint, when you put, 22 teams and 35 at 35 people per and not even including legal officials and, and other people. I mean, we're looking at thousands of people uh, in a, in a, in a hotel um, environment here. So um, they wanted to be involved, but I think there is an understanding as, as far as why they were not, uh, why they're not going. So I have so many questions. Like, So we've got the, we've got the COVID issue, which, you know, on the, on the surface, I mean, and, and there are several aspects to it. There's the, okay, you know, making sure people are okay. But then when you get into testing, if someone tests positive, then they're out. What happens if three guys on a team are out? Then, you know, what, what do you know about how that will work or is expected to work? Yeah, so there's a, there's a, um, a set of roster rules that are close to being finalized between the league and the Players Association. So, if there is a player that tests uh, positive in Orlando, um, he has to be quarantined for at a minimum seven days. Um, you can uh, sign a sub, what they call a substitution player to replace that player. But here's the challenge. You have to basically fly that player in. That player has to be self-quarantined. So by the time you bring him in, that player who was you know, tested positive could be healthy again. So. Um, I think it's more about protecting you if it's if it's multiple um, multiple players. There's also um, if you are a player and you leave the campus environment here uh, and you want to go to a, a restaurant downtown in downtown Orlando, well, too bad you're going to be quarantined for 10 days and you have to give two uh, two positive test results here. So um, there are rules in place. Players will be tested every day here. Um, to make sure that whoever is on the court is going to be, um, you know, is, is not going to be tested positive here. Um, but it does get a little bit tricky as far as if we see a domino effect of, of um, you know, of players 
um, testing positive. The, the good thing is, is that um, the only people who are in that hotel are MBA people. <laughs> There's not going to be outsiders. Basically, that hotel is shut down for the 22 teams and, as I said, league officials. And family members? Family members are, are going to be allowed to come, from my understanding, starting the second round, um, which would be the playoffs. Technically, the first round of the playoffs are supposed to start, I think, um, August 19th, 18th or 19th. This, um, the uh, second round would start September 1st. Um, so I think it's up to three members. Um, but it, 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 this is not going to be an easy process because it's not like players are in villas. You know, or, or or apartments. These are standard rooms. These are these are regular hotel rooms that, for a lot of these guys, could be there for two or three months. So you got to bring your family in. They'll 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 have to quarantine. It's not like your son's going to be able to allowed to go to um, to Disney World. Um, they basically will have the same restrictions as you do. It's basically to from the hotel to the arena um, in that campus environment. Mm. So one of the issues that we've heard in, in recent weeks and months with regard to um, all, all you know, COVID is testing. And specifically in a situation like this, the rapid testing, uh, are they going to have enough tests? And, you know, and, and then it gets into that issue where are they taking tests away from the, you know, the general public? No, you're right. I mean, the one thing that the, the league did not want to, proceed with the season was if there was not going to be testing available and if we were going to be able to take it away from, um, you know, people that, um, that need it. And yes, there will be plenty of testing probably to an extent that players will be tested. As I said, regularly, um, I mean, you're looking at, you know, thousands of tests potentially per, per day here. So yes, there'll be enough testing in if there was a situation, if this was mid-March, I would say probably no, there's not going to be enough testing. But from, from my understanding, yes, there's enough testing in place. You know, Bobby, the thing I keep going back to is NBA players, NBA coaches, NBA front offices love routine. You know, they love the rhythm of what a regular NBA season brings and how it flows into the playoffs. How much are not only players and coaches and front offices concerned about the quality of play once they do resume? Yes, we're getting these seeding games, but is that really enough with us not having played games since March, March 11th? Yeah, I mean, that's going, that's kind of the unknown, right, as far as what type of shape players, certainly what type of shape players are going to be in. Um, you know, players are going to be starting to come back into their market. I think international players are June 15th, June 21st for everyone else, and you know, we'll see as far as where they are. And that's, that's a big reason why this, the, the regular, or the, the seeding games won't be starting until um, July 31st. But yeah, the day and age of having a routine basically kind of goes out, out the window because there are going to be games played potentially at noon. There's going to be games at 1030 um, where, you know, it's not like you are going to be able to, you know, you know, get into your normal routine. There's going to be situations potentially where, you know, your favorite coach who rebounds and works you out, it's not going to be in Orlando because you're going to be capped at 35 people as far as who for each team, including 15 players. So that's something that teams are going through as far as figuring out, can we bring five or six assistant coaches? Is it now four? Is it like it was back in the nineties where we're so limited as far as the, the, the staff members that are potentially going to be. So um, this is going to be changed. The day and age of, a, uh, of having a buffet 
in a hotel is now is, is out. I mean, that doesn't exist anymore where every meal for each player is basically going to be prepared, um, you know, by the kitchen at the hotel, or they're going to be allowed to probably eat within the, the, the hotel uh, environment at a, at a restaurant. You know, Bobby, you mentioned, and you penned a great piece on ESPN.com about just kind of the transition rules and how they're going to bring players in and out. If someone does pot or does test positive for COVID-19, why not just initially expand the rosters from 15? Well, that's, that's what, if you're, if you talk to people on, on certain teams or if you, uh, you know, certainly agents, you would, that's the, the, the goal would be to kind of, and we're not even looking at, the, you know, the first step was, would be try to have, how do we get two-way players included in this? Because two-way players are not part of that 15 right now, and that's two extra spots, so you're looking at potentially 40 extra bodies, but the league is pretty firm as far as that 15 number for players. Um, as, as far as can you expand your rosters, yes, to an extent. Can you replace LaMarcus Aldridge, who's out with an injury? Yes, but um, that would mean that Aldridge doesn't go to Orlando. That means that his fifth roster spot 15 goes to him. Same situation for, you know, in Brooklyn with uh, Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, two guys who are out. Um, Brooklyn can replace both players, but now Irving and Durant will not be allowed to come to Orlando because of that would exceed the the, uh, the maximum of 15 uh, per team. So, Bobby, what do you think this will do ultimately to the quality of play uh, this season and then um, how the short offseason will impact the 2021 season? Yeah, I think the quality of play is going to be interesting just because, as, we, as we've talked about, we haven't, we haven't seen these guys since, um, you know, that Oklahoma City-Utah game in, uh, in, in mid-March, and it's, it's hard to kind of uh, put, you know, put the car in, in neutral and not doing anything for, for three months. I think it will be interesting. These, you know, I think the good thing is that there are these seeding games where um, for playoff teams it's kind of to shake off some of the rust. Certainly for other teams it's going to be in a try to get it to, that, I guess, that eighth seed here. Um, it will be interesting when, as far as how this progresses to when we get into September and potentially when we get to the NBA Finals from a mental fatigue um, as far as uh, players, as I said, being in a hotel, going through the same routine for, for three months here. I know having been in summer league and, um, you know, and certainly in Las Vegas and Orlando, you get to the end there and you just, you just want to go home, right? Like you just, you're, you've already checked out mentally, but it, it's probably a little bit different when you're trying to win a championship. And, and you're right. I mean, game seven right now is scheduled for October 12th. Um, the draft is October 15th. The start of free agency is October 18th, and training camp starts November 10th, with the potential of the season opening on on December 1. And that those that next season might even be con- condensed because now we're looking at the Olympics, right, in in July. And yeah, it, it's going to be um, you know these these guys are going to have to get themselves into some type of shape. We'll probably see some injuries here, but there's as I said, we are going to see a lot of basketball. Um, you know, over the next, the next year here. Bobby, the best part of everything that you said is for the normal person, that's going to make their head spin. But for you, <laughs> it's just routine. You know, the thing I keep going back to is the league of the players have a lot of conversations that they still need to iron out. Most notably, kind of the transition period from not only this season, but to next season, because the CBA is going to be affected on so many different levels. And, you know, the popular conversation is, well, the cap is affected by the revenue that the league generates. What conversations do the players and the league still need to have before we even have a next season? 
Yeah. Though, so that's it's kind of goes in waves. You know, the, the first conversation was the return to play, uh, and you saw the board of governors approve that. You saw the player association have a conference call last Friday to approve it. Now, what's going on between the player association and the and the uh, and the NBA is is another set of transition rules where it's roster rules for uh, you know the 22 teams that are going to be in Orlando. All player contracts have to be adjusted. If you have a team option for next year, um, a player option, a, a guaranteed date, a qualifying offer, some you know things. Because as you remember, you know July one usually starts the calendar year. Now it's going to be October 18th, so everything gets pushed back uh, along with the with the calendar. And, and and then the most important thing is going to be the economics of of um, of the CBA as far as negotiating it between um, the league and, and the players association because the cap and the tax in a normal year are usually projected based off revenue from this current season um, multiplied by a percentage. And that's how we kind of gauge where it was going to be. And, you know, before this all hit, we were projecting 8.4 billion in revenue for 2020-21 um, with a salary cap at 115 million. We're probably uh, have lost at least a billion dollars right now because of the um, you know with games canceled uh, at the end of the season here, not not having fans for playoff games here, and yeah, under under normal circumstances, we you know you would look at a salary cap potentially at a hundred million dollars, so you're looking at a, at a fifteen million dollar drop. I think the good news is that the league and the player association have the right to negotiate an artificial number based on what they project revenue is going to be in, in the future. But the trick is going to be, we don't know what the re revenue is going to be in 2020, 21, because as, as you heard, the commissioner said, Hey, we might have no fans in the stands. or We might start without fans and you know, fans start with 40% of, of revenue um, that, that goes to the, towards that BRI. So there's a lot that still needs to be that we worked out. I think the worst thing that could happen is that, the league drops the cap in 2020 to 100 million, um, and then all of a sudden in 2021, that cap skyrockets back to 120, 125 million, like we saw back in 2016 yeah. when that cap spiked and it was like a it was a free for all, right? The wild wild west of spending here. I think, I think the league and the PA can figure out a way for that not to happen. Yeah, I was going to say because the players' association specifically did not want to massage that number in; they just wanted to. Well, have they're going to want it now. They're going to want to massage that number now. <laughs> Trust so, so a, a if quick, they want a cap smoothing, it's going to be now. <laughs> <laughs> so, a quick follow-up to that is, you know, and you touched on it a little bit, but I've had a lot of people ask me about this. So many players' contracts are based on cap increases, right? Like it's either a five or a six percent increase to their overall number. How are how is the players association going to negotiate that number with the front office, or is it possible that they could just freeze it this year? Yeah, I mean for for percentage increases, that it's the standard course. Those are not going to get get touched. As far as if you are LeBron James and you have an eight or five percent increase in your salary, that that stays as is. I think that what we're going to pay attention to is the rookie extension um, players that sign maxes, Ben Simmons. Pascal Siakam and Jamal Murray, because when they sign their extension, it's for 25% of the 2020-21 cap. And we projected it to be, you know, if, it, if you were Simmons, five years, $168 million based off $115 million salary cap. And if that cap drops to $100 million, these guys are going to take a significant loss because it's, it's a projection off that. And 
Um, I think it's going to be interesting as far as what happens to guys like Giannis, who's supermax eligible um, this summer when uh, when free or I guess in the fall when free agency starts. Does he have? Do they have an understanding as far as what the cap is going to be like in in 2000, uh, 2021? So the good news is that there's already I think 3.3 billion in committed salary for 2020-21. Most players, a good majority, are already under contract, but there are that handful of 100, you know, it's 125 players that will be free agents that kind of face an uncertain future. And Bobby, so looking at the draft now, like, I'm, as someone who's attended several drafts, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around what, how this is going to work and how this is going to look. Yeah. And, and so if you're, if you're, uh, you know, just take it from the, the, the player, player perspective, it, do, do, Kids think they'll go back to school because I mean, what what do you think would make the most sense if you're if you're a a guy who might might have been looking to come out? Yeah, I, I think it's and there are a lot of players you know that have declared um, that the, the date to withdraw has been pushed back. I think to August third. Um, we're looking at the lottery um, the lottery to um, I get the at the end of August. I think it's the twenty fifth, and the draft now is you know going to be. Um, October 15th and you are players that do not have a great body of work or players that have maybe played at some of these mid-major schools that were relying on Portsmouth Invitational, the Chicago pre-draft, the G League mini camp to really get in front of teams are really behind the eight, are going to be behind the eight ball here um, because they will not likely have individual workouts or if they do have individual workouts and might not be until after the withdrawal date already. So you're basing it off your interviews that you're doing with teams, feedback that teams are getting, uh, that, that are giving you. The interesting thing is when you talk to a lot of some of these draft prospects that are not considered first or second rounders, they're okay with that. I think a lot of them are okay with as long as they have a commitment that there's maybe a two-way contract they're waiting for them, then they would forego their their um, their college season, even if they weren't getting drafted. But you're right, there is so much unknown. We're still in mid mid June. The draft's not going to be until um, mid October, as far as who stays and who who kind of goes back to school. Bobby, I have to ask you, with uh, how different this off season has been, do you have July Fourth plans that don't revolve around free agency? <laughs> is this the first July Fourth you've had in quite some time? It's the first July 4th I've had since I think I was a senior in college and that was in uh, 1994. So it is, it is a eerie feeling that um, come July 1 that there are, there is no free agency. I guess there is some type of free agency because I think there's roster rules. Teams can sign, can sign players in that transaction window, but you're right. I mean, um, we're kind of in that, we're in that holding pattern again until the end of um at the end of July when games start and then, you know, the month of October is going to come is going to be kind of that rapid fire where we get from, from the finals to the draft to free agency. And then we basically start up again. So um, it is a, it is a weird feeling that, you know, we're all kind of going to be, we're not worried about where Kawhi is going to sign or the AD trade or some of those, some of those other, um, you know, those mechanics of the roster. Um, we're going to have to wait for those until uh, October. Well, Bobby, look, thank you so much for your time. I, I, I if anything, I take I take a little pleasure knowing that on July fourth, you'll be able to kick back and make a s'mores without having to look over your shoulder, look at your phone. <laughs> well, I guess we'll be watching to see if anybody gets hurt in these in these condensed training camps. That someone's going to have to go out and search for a G League player or a or a free agent that's 
maybe maybe Demar- uh, Demarcus Cousins who's sitting at home. Maybe we'll get a we'll get a, a call if he's healthy. Oh well, well, you know, good, 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 good point, good point. But uh, everybody, that was Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Enjoy. I appreciate. It. Thanks, guys. That was dope. I will tell you what, Otto. Every time we have Bobby on, I feel like I learn so much, and the wealth of information is so great that it's hard to completely retain. So I'm going to have to go back and listen to this two or three times. But one thing that really excited me about what he said was, you know, about the draft process, so much of what we initially thought was that it was going to all be virtual, right? Like there weren't going to actually be physical workouts. Players were not going to be invited into gyms. But based off some of the things that he said, it seems like we're actually going to have not a completely normal draft process, but the players at least are going to be able to go through one-on-one workouts with teams, which is huge for them. Yeah, that, that, that does sound interesting. I mean, the other thing that, that pops in my head is that usually October 15th is, you know, like midnight madness on campus. So not yeah. only will you have that going on, you'll have, you'll have a draft going on. It's like, it, it's, it, that is going to be one crazy night, you know, is, it, is if, this, if, the, if those things match up. Is this maybe an excellent opportunity for the league as a whole. You know, if games go through, what is the last date? October 12th, you have your draft and then you start training camp maybe three, four weeks later at the end of November. And if they do actually start the season on December 1, how good could that be for the NBA to, you know, so many leagues for so long have attempted to take up the entire 12-month calendar, right? Like they always want something going on, whether games are ending, draft process, summer league, Well, now the NBA has dominated the conversation, even since games ended in March. And now they're potentially going to be able to have a 12-month cycle. Yeah, that, well, I mean that that's that's great for the NBA, the NBA player. Uh, that that may that may be a little bit different. I mean, you look at a team like the Warriors, who, you know, probably are going to be a, a preseason favorite because they're all rested. They're got guys coming back from injury. They will not have had to do this gauntlet of of camping out in in Orlando at Disney for you know however long, two months, three months, and so you know a team like that may may fear much better than than a than an older squad like the Lakers or 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 the Bucks. So do you really do you really think LeBron is just going to have a standard room at whatever Disney resort that they're in? Like if I, he's just in a standard room with two queen size beds, you think that's going to work for LeBron? No, I think they'll. You think I think that's going to work for AD. No, I, I think they'll be able. <laughs> I think they'll be able to hook him up and give him an, an, uh, an upgrade. Those guys are getting like the villas that sit outside the Magic Kingdom, you know, that sit on the water and then bring their whole family down to it. They're not going to be in some regular room. Come on. All right. But can we talk about like what torture would be? Torture would be bringing your family down, being able to see the Magic Kingdom, but no, your family member can't go. I mean, that's No, 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 no. no. Torture, Otto, is being stuck at the Caribbean Beach Resort, not being able to go anywhere else in those like Mickey-themed rooms if you're an NBA player for three months. You can't even go there and you're stuck in these Mickey themed rooms. You got to look at like Mickey wallpaper all the time. That's torture, man. Like I love the parks and I love going to Disney world, but I could not do that. Well, you know what they say? It's a small world after all. So (laughs) (laughs) hey, man, I I think I can't think of a better way to close. So, uh, so, so with that, thanks to everybody. For listening to this edition of Catch and Shoot 2.0, want to give a special shout out to our producers, Scott Turkin and Bruce Bernstein, as well as our editor, Ben Wolfen. Ah, 
God, we really should have just ended on that small world note. That was great. <laughs> and by the way, check out our shows. They're fantastic. If you didn't catch Monday's show with Mike Wise, he had Jason Whitlock on, who I not only grew up listening to in the Kansas City area, but was really excited about that conversation. It's a worthy listen if you have the time. Tuesday, as always, is Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams. Wednesdays are where you catch us, Otto and I, here on Catch and Shoot 2.0. Thursday, uh, Monica McNutt on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. That's a tremendous conversation with Renee Montgomery of the Atlanta Dream, also a former UConn Husky. And as always, we know you're listening to our Friday show. It's the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. If you like the shows, all that we ask is that you rate and review them and you share them with all of your friends. And one final note, my uh, famous socially distancing uh, message here, just a reminder to everybody out there, a lot of things going on out there in the world right now, but just continue, be smart, be safe, be respectful, take care. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.